When it comes to weight loss, no two people are the same. That's why Noom builds personalized plans based on your unique psychology and biology. Take Brittany. After years of unsustainable diets, Noom helped her lose 20 pounds and keep it off. I was definitely in a yo-yo cycle for years of just losing weight, gaining weight, and it was exhausting. And Stephanie. She's a former D1 athlete who knew she couldn't out-train her diet, and she lost 38 pounds. My relationship to food before Noom was never consistent. And Evan, he can't stand salads, but he still lost 50 pounds with Noom. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. Even through the pickiness, Noom taught me that building better habits builds a healthier lifestyle. I'm not doing this to get to a number. I'm doing this to feel better. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom users compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. The NBA playoffs are here. It is the best time of the year, and you know what that means. DraftKings Sportsbook, an official betting partner of the NBA, is back with a can't-miss offer. This week, new customers can bet just $5 on any team and get $150 in free bets instantly. No matter what the outcome is, you win. There's even more. All DraftKings Sportsbook customers can also bet on NBA hoops with same-game parlays. You know the drill. Combine multiple bets from the same game for a bigger payout. You can take your favorite player to hit their over with points and their team to win. Plus, each day of the first round, you can get a risk-free bet up to $10 if your same-game parlay does not hit. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code FORGOTTENSEASONS. Bet just $5 on any NBA team to win their game during the first round of the playoffs and get $150 in free bets instantly. That's promo code Forgotten Seasons at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official betting partner of the NBA. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. Only thing I'm plugging is Forgotten Seasons. What is up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Forgotten Seasons. This is your host, Dylan Dreyfus. Today, we're going to be talking a little 2000 Sonics with my brother and their big fella, Jelani McCoy. This is an interesting time in Seattle. It's just a few years removed from their 96 title run, but the roster, the coaching staff is completely different. Sean Kemp is out. Vin Baker is in. We also got Horace Grant coming into the mix this year. The Sonics finished as the seventh seed with 45 wins in a completely stacked Western Conference that featured six teams that had 50 or more wins. Jelani gives us an unbelievable look inside the locker room, breaks down the roster. We talk GP, we talk Vin Baker, Richard Lewis, playoff series against the Jazz, and that stacked Western Conference. The heart and soul of the team was, of course, Gary Payton, who had just a ridiculous year. He averaged 24, 9, and 6.5, and played all 82 games. And Jelani has some great stories and just really brings us inside those practices, inside those huddles with a prime Gary Payton. A reminder to check out the rest of the Showtime Basketball catalog. We got All the Smoke, What's Burning, KG Certified here at the Iverson Classic right now. So lots to check out. Definitely tap in. Make sure to drop a rating and a review if you are coming back and listening. We really appreciate that. Let's get into it now. Forgotten Seasons on the 2000 Seattle Supersonics with Jelani McCoy begins right now. What is up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Forgotten Seasons. Today, we got my guy, former Sonic, former Bruin, Jelani McCoy. Big fella. How's it hanging? Happy to be here as always, and I've been waiting to get back to Forgotten Season, so I'm very happy to be here. Hey, well, it's great to have you back. Yes, we are on the road getting it done, but, you know, we yep. had to get a little session in here first. Today, going back to 2000, Seattle Supersonics, your second year in the league. Yep. First question I got to ask you, you know, you come into the league in 1998, get drafted to the Sonics, into the lockout. The Sonics obviously had a, a storied, super successful 1990s Gary Payton, Sean Kemp, highlighted by that 1996 finals run. And then you come in two years later, and uh, things are, are very different. Head coach George Carl's gone. Sean Kemp, one of the pillars of the Sonics of the 90s, is gone. Uh, I mean, first, just sort of describe to me you entering 
the NBA into the Sonics and, and just what the vibe, what the feeling was like. I know the lockout definitely threw some things in a loop, but try and just paint the picture of what you were walking into when you got drafted to Seattle in 98. Woo. That is a, 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 a that is a situation right there. Um, when I got to the Sonics, the lockout was a trip, you know, that's when we were playing back to back to backs, you know, three games in a row. Uh, but at the same time, if not for that, I might've never played because traditionally George Carl and the Sonics culture, they didn't play young guys. You didn't see a lot of young guys or rookies playing for the Sonics under George Carl, mm -hmm. a lot of veterans, a lot of CBA guys, you know what I mean? Some guys with some, with some mm on them. Yeah. So get, get in there. And that's why I, even though as a Laker, Laker fan, I love watching the Sonic teams and GP was one of my favorite players, you know what I mean? Because the Sonic culture, was almost a West Coast Detroit Pistons type of vibe, you know what I mean? Heavy on the speed, heavy on the defense, you know what I mean? Highly entertaining, sick crowd. So coming uh, into the lockout was crazy, you know what I mean? There was no George Carl, it was Paul Westfall was the coach, right? Stepped mm -hmm. in with Paul Westfall, who uh, rest his soul, put me into a bad situation, you know what I mean? That could have ended my career, you know what I mean? I very rarely share this story with you, I will, Dylan. Um, when I first got drafted because of the lockout, I had been working out heavy probably two or three times a day with Phil Weber at the time. I don't know where he's coaching now, but he's been with the Phoenix Sun, legendary shooting coach, legendary shooting coach. Me and Ricky Davis, our agent was Arn Tellum. That's all we did is play basketball. Shout and, out to Ricky Davis. Shout out my dog, Ricky Davis. You know what I mean? All we did is play basketball, uh, hang out, you know what I mean? Play games, you know what I mean? Go back, you know, work out go back, shoot again with Phil, you know what I mean? I'm talking medicine ball in the chair, completely changed, you know what I mean? My shot in a short amount of time. In a good way though? Black, in a great way. I was like black dirt and whiskey. <laughs> people can vouch, uh, people can vouch for this, that no basketball in, in those days before the lockout, like I was looking good. I was pissed because of my whole situation in UCLA. So I went to a dark Mamba-ish place, lockout hits. I slide all the way down to 33 behind Richard, who ends up being my little brother. And I got a chance to mentor. That'll be, we'll, we'll get to that. But um, that was the vibe. So I, I came in ready. I'm killing the practice. Billy Owens on the team. Billy Owens, one of my favorite players. Uh, Dead left us out there playing. We got Hersey Hawkins. I don't think G and Ben were there. Maybe they were at the Olympics or something. G and Ben weren't there yet. It'd be too... Uh... 98 98 probably like yeah. world championships FIBA something like that yeah they're so yeah. they were getting a little extra time off we're in there getting to know each other hooping I'm in there killing balling all of a sudden Paul Westfall comes in stops the scrimmage everybody bring it in bring it in bring it in Paul Westfall has one of the worst SEGs shit eating grins ever the, the smirk, like, it's really kind of condescending. Like, it's not really trustworthy. You've seen if you go through Paul Westfall footage and he's talking to referees, it's kind of used car salesman-ish. So he stops to practice. He does the grin. He's looking around. He's like, why is he out here playing this well against professionals? And I was like, okay, that's weird. He was like, why is he? And he kind of like punched. Touches, touches you he touches me you know what I mean he touches me you know why is he bringing the ball up the court that left shrimp is sitting across from me on the other side so he's we, we're eye to eye, eye to eye and he, after he kind of touches me daddy like hmm? you know what I mean like like that's weird uh so um he goes everybody go to the basket shoot free throws uh and then everybody goes to the basket and then Westfall, as I go to the basket, Westfall's again the grin. I can't even do it. You know what I mean? As we'll have to pull, we'll, we'll, we'll pull up pictures. We'll match yeah, them up. Yeah, yeah, we yeah, got you. yeah, we got yeah. You. The, uh, the, the grin. And he goes, Not you. You take this ball and you dribble around everybody while they shoot free throws. Bro, like steam. Like, <laughs> was blowing, blowing out of my ears. Dead left shrimp, again, was kind of halfway paying attention. After he touched I turn around and look at him. Daddy, again, is in my eyesight. And uh, he goes, uh, 
I kind of look at him again. He kind of sees the imaginary cartoon scene. Like my brain is melting. I hear the me, myself, and Irene. Nah, 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 nah. Like I feel like it's about to be like a a snap. And then, uh, and then uh, he's uh, then he has the grin. And then I kind of look at Daddy, and Daddy grabs a ball, and he starts. He starts dribbling with me. Wow. Right. He was like, he was like, he's gonna take the lap with me around. Why? And then he goes. Daddy, again, the smile. Uh, you're supposed to be shooting free throws. And dead left strip turned around and gave him the most Terminator, Arnold Schwarzenegger. Uh, Literally Arnold Schwarzenegger. Yards. Yeah, yeah. Death stare, thousand yard stare, Marie, whatever cold, mean, ice cold villain that you've seen. And then he kind of like smiled and turned off. And then Daddy walked, uh, dribbled with me around the court, talking me down. Hey man, are you a good job? You're gonna be here longer than he is. You know what I mean? I I didn't know you came with that. You know what I mean? If you lock in, you know what I mean. That's gonna be an asset to you. Like from Dead Left Shrimp, one of the mm -hmm. most versatile six ten shooting could put a legend could play making right. But that was my introduction into the Sonics before G gets there, and then we go to that next year, which which well what we're talking about now. I just wanted to share that with you. No, I mean yeah, that's tough. I mean, you're a rookie. You're trying, like, you're trying to to restore your reputation, maybe, and uh, people are out here touching you, speaking down touching on you, and it's your coach. Speaking down, and it's the head. It's the head coach. Situation. It's the head coach. Yeah, so, exactly. So going into that next year, obviously the lockout year, a lot of things are thrown into a loop. Twenty-five and twenty-five, you missed the playoffs, and then there's yeah. a big shakeup with the roster. You mentioned Detlef; he he's gone. He goes to Portland. Mm -hmm. Dale Ellis, who was there, is out. Hershey Hawkins mm -hmm. goes out. In comes some some great vets, Horace Grant, Ruben Patterson, Greg Foster, Vernon Maxwell. First off, I think I know the answer to this. You know, which loss was the biggest? Maybe Detlef, your guy, goes out. Yeah. Um, yep. I, I'm curious to hear, like, Horace Grant coming in, won some chips with the Bulls, obviously yeah. great on the Magic, sort of introduced those new characters coming into the fold in year two. And who was, you who, who was the guy what? for you that came in? Well, you're losing one of a lot of uh, sonic legacy and Dale Hersey and, and, and deadlift. That's Facts. a lot of facts. That's a lot of the meat of the sonic uh, of the sonic bone right there. Mm -hmm. So the only I feel like the only person that could come into a veteran locker room with Gary Payton and some of the other veteran voices would be like a Horace Grant. Yep. And I was looking forward to it because it's Horace Grant. Every uh, you know, you got to respect Horace Grant as a big the hard work, the availability that Horace Grant had, you know, back then guys had availability. Like they was playing the majority of the 82. It wasn't like it is now. Like if you miss a couple of games, like everybody's looking side eye at you. Lucky like you stealing. Mm -hmm. Like, like, you know, I'm going out here getting it every day. You know what I mean? Okay. You kind of stealing. You don't want to show up. You got hamstring. I, you know, a lot of these injuries are new. A lot of guys played through other injuries that they didn't know led to markers that blew out people's ACLs. You know, yep. they didn't have the sports science that they did right now. So Horace Grant would have been the only guy that, uh, that came in. Uh, he was great for me to learn from Horace Grant, complete uh, professional, worked out in the gym just as hard as he did on the court, uh, knew all the plays, paid attention to detail, was always trying to get everybody to lock in. And he was just a nice, cool. Horace just had good vibes. You know what I mean? Good cool. vibes, horse. A, good vibes, horse. Uh, give me somebody else who was on that team. Joe. Yeah, I would say. Yeah. Well, I I want to segue into GP. I mean, I, yeah. I know this will be a big segment, but um, not not much has to be said to intro GP. This is his tenth year in the league, uh, but this yeah. is also a year where he his stats go up. I, th I think you can tell. Like he's been there for ten years. His guy Kemp is gone. He's coming yep. off uh, missing the playoffs, which doesn't happen for for GP in that first 10 years of his career. What did you right. notice from him and, and just try and paint the picture of, of GP? Because I, I know myself, I can't get enough of GP stories. And I know that, you know, basketball fans feel the same way. Gary Payton in his 10th year ar around this time was all of the, we're talking like prime glove. We're talking mm -hmm. about he was all of the glove at this point. He was well settled in. I, we, you mentioned his title run. Uh, he was well settled into the glove. And Gary Payton is one of the most phenomenal athletes, I don't think, that he gets credit for. Um, he was always in shape. You know what I mean? He was always ready to go. He was always, he never wanted to come out of the game. 
Uh, he was always wanting to play literally 48 minutes. It was the whole thing, just trying to get him to come out of the game. And then by now, he's, you know, offensively, he's discovered himself on that left side of the court. Post. The GP turnaround, the GP post-up, a, a lot of what he did was on that left side of the court. And that GP post-up on the left side of the court was money. That was, was like a layup. So dope. I mean? So he, I, so the, dope. The guards, the guards in the post, like him, Sam Cassell, I, I love that. It was a vibe, but it altered the offense because traditionally your point guard is not supposed to be in the post, right? So you have to figure out ways that you can score even as a Ruben pad. That's when a diver was big. When you when you got a guard on the post, especially back in the 90s, that's when you had to wait above the free throw line. The four people and, in the paint. <laughs> exactly. And you had to dive just to clear people out. Yeah. And as a big sometimes, especially that's hard to understand as that's why you see a lot of the development for bigs change, because depending on the coaching style, uh, like as far as the point guard, if you're a point guard is passing up, you're not going to get a lot of post ups as a big. He's getting mm -hmm. them off. Right. right. So you have to die from the top take the top of the defense, make a play for another, for another. It's like a fullback. Yeah. Some of the shit you had to do back then was a fullback. Not pretty. No. Prime GP, uh, any loose ball on the floor, if anybody bobbles a ball or there's a fight for a loose ball, GP single-handedly will come up with it. I've never seen anything uh, about it in my life. And another thing that he did, he ruined pick and rolls for me for a little while because GP would never get picked. He would do this weird, like he had a whole technique. You never got a, a hard, like solid, like the screen that you wanted to on GP. And as a big, you never really had to be where you kind of like- you Like on offense, like, on offense you're saying when he's the ball handler? No, no when he's defense. on defense. When he's on defense and he's on ball handlers, when you're, when your guy is a big, when you're walking up in the pick and roll, right. regardless of the yeah. call, hedging going under whatever you're doing you know trapping like there i've never really seen too many people just get a square up pick on gp to where he's like oh he can't move he either like slightly dodges it on some like martial art shit or like it's just it's just a weird thing and like I, it's it's you just learn it can become a custom of it but it's not a normal thing but he was just amazed he was fiery as a leader uh, coming out of timeouts, there was no better uh, feeling coming out of a timeout and you're part of a GP5. And he's sitting there with that GP look, looking at you coming out of a timeout, you know what I mean? And you're in that group that's coming out with GP, staring at the whole other five. It's empowering, you know what I mean? And the culture of the Sonics was to play defense and get up and down and throw lobs. So um, GP was a, a tough guy to learn from. Tough guy to learn from. Not the best take you through the step leader. You know what I mean? Not not get your more, but get your shit together so we can get ours together type leader. Lead by example. You know what I mean? Availability as far as games. You know, so GP was a, a monster, a underrated athlete, hella strong. You never could post mm -hmm. him up big, small, or little. Yeah, everybody knows about his defensive prowess, but as far as, far as a leader, just passion and fiery and like he'll go cold on you too so you had a lot of fire but he'll go cold on your ass too if he feels like you're not participating uh, Rashard Lewis just uh, shared a story mm -hmm. on uh the knuckleheads part yeah about our first introduction in the GP and that's how it was exactly and after that it was beef for like a week every time we showed up to practice we had to show up late you know what I mean whatever he was just on us on us yeah da, 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 give me da, one give me give, give me one just like soundbite that that he would say okay so he would come in like even when we started coming in early before the run to get the workout in before the run after he came in if we would be shooting he would come in he'd tell the coaches on us he'd come in and be like no 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 these motherfuckers need to be working on diving Cause when I'm gonna get it, I'm gonna do my thing, and I ain't gonna give you the complete GP vernacular. You know what I mean? Cause yeah. it's real townish and East mm -hmm. Bay funkish. You know what I mean? So he really, had, and I'm gonna get me down here doing. I'm gonna need you to cut, then you cut. So he would like, he would just come in and just be G. You know what mm -hmm. I mean? And kind of like back then, the superstar players, they were how they were. There weren't a lot. There wasn't a lot of just diplomacy to max maxed out players. They were rock stars, so they came in and it was what it was. 
And that's kind of, you know, as the leader of our team, that's kind of how it was with Asana. Not the best team to go to in your first three years of the NBA career. Luckily, I was a little thrilled and had some fervor about myself and had been through some things, or else it would have been tougher. Mm. Shifting away from GP, we talked about this yes, a few days ago, but Vin Baker stepping into that Sean yeah. Kemp role, he comes in, fills a big void, and he does have some great years in Seattle. I think things kind of tail off, whether it's personal issues or, or injuries, but I think a lot of people forget, you know, for a better part of a decade, this guy was 2010 every night, but uh, I think kind of the epitome of a forgotten player, like nobody's yes. talking about Vin Baker, but I guess yeah. just educate the people that weren't around then or, or, or either just don't know who Vin Baker was on and off the court. Uh, that's my guy. You know what I mean? Vin Baker was a big brother to me in that tough situation. My first three years, uh, he was, he didn't learn how GP was used to, you know, that was a him and Sean Kemp vibe. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? People learn differently, you know what I mean? Especially in intimate situations in the league. That's why when you're in your career, your career could go left to right based on who's in the locker room. You know, that's, that's very important. So um, Ben Baker was like literally big brother for me. Uh, that's when you're talking, Ben Baker was cold. Okay, you know, anything under the, the, the three-point line, I'm talking handles in a short corner, hesitation, weird shot pocket. He puts it on the ground. It spins. Yeah. Like, he, I stole a lot of uh, of his posts. He did a lot with the booty uh, to, to, to get to weird, awkward spins. You know, he's long and awkward, so he would finish at different angles, kind of Antoine Jameson-ish, mm. but in a bigger body. Not push-hooking, mm -hmm. not none of the push-hook shit, but just – Straight, weird extensions yeah. and being able to handle. He was a good free throw shooter, good rebounder, shot blocker, ran the floor, great passer, great human being. So uh, Ben Baker, this is at the time the Vindicators was out. He had a jump man deal, you know, maxed out. You know, that's why they made the uh, switch for him and Sean. Um, he wanted, he never wanted to be Sean Kemp. He wanted to bring his own version to the Sonics. He adored GP. He only wanted to be the best power forward he could do be with GP and not fall off from Sean Kemp. Uh, but, you know, life happens. Life hit comes at your ass fast. You know what I mean? He, all, he had a lot of money. Uh, he didn't have, you know, a lot of support. Like I said, that locker room, it was different. You know, everybody don't vibe and learn the same, even though you hang out and, you know, your friends and whatever. But Ben, as a basketball player, was cold. As a person, he was even colder. I mean, he had a jump man contract. He wore the same two, three sets, sweatsuits he ordered every time. I had the rest of the shit. We had the same size, same 15s. You know, when the Vindicators came out, I had them in every color. You know, I'm the little brother in his closet taking all the, the jump mask stuff because I know he only wears two sweatsuits and it's just going to sit there. So I'm mm -hmm. like, uh-uh. You know, I'll take the Vindicator thank, package. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. Master Chef. He had a beautiful house on the lake. Master Chef. He could cook. What's, Oh, could he cook, Dylan? Wow, Vin Baker the chef. Master, damn near master culinary artist. I'm talking about what was his best crab, dish? Lobster, lobster stuff, crab or crab stuff, lobster. Uh, he had a <laughs> he was a gr master griller. He has something else that'll probably come to me that was amazing. But fry whatever you want, mm -hmm. he can make it, and he'll be in there singing and shit. You know what I mean? Like uh, he loved him. We all love Martin, and we used to imitate Martin and be a it was just a great, that's, that's the type of veteran that I needed. Those mm -hmm. are, uh, those are the guys you need as a younger guy. You don't want to do all the other BS, you know what I mean? So, um, he, he, he took care of me on that side. I had, was making a little bit of money, but whenever I got on the road, he gave me some money, you know what I mean? Like, I, and I couldn't like take it back. It's like, nah, man, I'm cool. He was like, ah, they come to room, put all the, put all the food on my room. Don't be down there ordering your, uh, ordering the food, save your money real. You know what I mean? Order me a couple suits. If he's ordering a suit, come up here to Taylor here. Just complete vibes about game. Showing me about the post up, how to handle, taking stuff from each other. Um, we almost got into it uh, because at the time we were, I was starting to cut into situations where he was supposed to be in. You know what I mean? And like the, even some of the coaches, I won't say any names. You know what I mean? Some of the coaches, some of the front office people, which controlling narratives or trying to get him to do this or be like, you know, this man is taking your spot low key while you're over here playing big brother, 
you know what I mean? GP in his ass, you know what I mean? So there was even one incident where we almost got into a fight. You and During ben? practice. Yeah. And there was hella fights in Sonic's practices. That's normal. I mean, you're being right. I mean, the, the leader is a junkyard dog. So it's not surprising. It, it, that's normal. Like, that's just Tuesday. Like, swing it? Swing it? Like, swings? Swing and connect? Um, just at least. So there was a couple swing and connects. There's some other legendary stories that happened this year with some with some players. That, that There was some swing and connects. There was some weights that flew. There's some chairs. There's some fights on the plane. You know what I mean? There was like it was active in 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 in, in on, on the Sonics those my first three years. So it was definitely it was definitely a vibe. But uh, like I said, Ben was the uh, ultimate and still the ultimate professional. Also, aside from what we know in the public and the trials and tribulations, like he showed up. You know what I mean? We go through things. Like he could have claimed that mental health whole deal and been off for a year, still been getting paid and straight. But he showed up. He knew the responsibilities of being a max player and being a Jordan brand athlete. He was trying to do right. the best that he can. And that's one thing I know about Ben Baker. It was always love. He took uh, being a Sonic very seriously. It's just like, you know, life, relationships, environments can influence certain people. You know what I mean? In life come to find out. And then, you know what I mean? That that's kind of like stressful to be in those type of environments. It's not a real life thing, but he was somebody that I could lean on professionally basketball wise and just as a big brother so that's you know i can't say enough about ben baker and his talent i don't even want to debate about his talent because he was an olympian he was a lifetime 20 and 10 guy when he was right he played all the games he was an all-star i mean you don't get traded for sean kim for no reason now well i think uh without saying anything i think we'll we'll spotlight him a little bit more over the coming weeks with something we got going on but just to touch on that yeah. i mean i'm glad the the other stuff came up and i you know through conversations i just see a lot of players from your generation have they don't like the media at all because like you said they take that one or two incidences and today you know if you go online that's all you see you don't see right. baker the master chef or you know the big brother you see his his run-ins or, or whatever yeah. so i'm glad we got to get that out and I, I i want more of that but uh moving yeah. on just real quick rashard lewis you mentioned it you My are dog. His bigger, your dog uh yeah. same same draft class he's coming straight out of yeah. high school cold i mean what is he probably your damn near your height right 6'10 611 yep. but yep. but strap one of the best shooters ever ahead of his time talk to the people about yes. about sweet lou sweet lou back then we used to call him meat because i thought uh all he ate was meat and cheese wherever we went i used to order something go to char get a hamburger meat and cheese you know what i mean that's all that's all he cared about you know meat and cheese where's candy he from shit houston texas h-town H-Town. Uh, Richard is, is awesome, man. He was awesome to have. Uh, it was an honor of me to, like, even though I was going through things in the league at the same time, like, because what I went through at UCLA, I felt led me to able, was I was able to. And my, and my bigger brother, rest in peace, was the number two pick in the draft for the Raiders, Gerald Russell. So I was able to provide some type of mentorship for Richard because he was like a teenager, teenager. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. Everybody remember, remembers his whole draft look. But uh, Rashard was just relentless. And to watch him grow, I literally, I remember the game when the strap really came out. We was on the road in Dallas. And I think he hit like five threes. This year? Like in, so you're, yeah, I think year it was two? Year, yeah, I think it was like year two. Yeah, because we started playing more. I think in year two, he was able to play the two, the three, the four. You know what I mean? So he, uh, uh, moved down the lineup. He mm -hmm. was strong. Rashard cared about the right wing. His brothers were in the football, so he was always low-key. Even though he had skinny legs, he was always benching hella weight. You know what I mean? Cut up. Hella athletic and bouncy at this time. Remember, this is Tip Jam Rashard. Yeah. This is when Rashard used to get his money off, like, tip jams and lobs, occasional jumpers. Not really three. He was just hella active, moving around, finding little spots. But I remember, like, I think it was on the road in Dallas, if I'm not mistaken. Maybe even when Dennis Rodman was on Dallas. Oh, that's that's uh, that, that. I mean, you don't want to run into Dennis Rodman at all. But I think later in his career, you could see the yeah. some turning, some wheels falling yeah. off. So you don't want to run into Dennis yeah. Rodman there. Oh, it's funny. I had a, a whole deal with him that game too. But I remember Richard. I remember when it clicking, when it clicked. When it was, he was like, all right. And then, then he started opening up his game. You know what I mean? Didn't do a lot of like crazy ball handling with the threes. 
Mm-hmm. It was like, damn, Shard hitting threes? Like, no, Shard is hitting threes. Like, he was just got dialed in. He spent time on it. Boom, boom, boom. And then all of a sudden, he was just dialed in. And at 6'10", he was one of the first players at 6'10", actively letting go three-pointers and putting it on the deck and getting tip jam. Then he had the post game. Mm-hmm. Then I feel like there was a weird turnaround that Shard used to get to that yeah. nobody could get uh, get to. I can't remember what shoulder, but it was fun to watch him blossom, mentor him, make sure he didn't make a lot of the mistakes I made at UCLA. I made damn sure of that, you know what I mean? Because he was a good guy. Him and his homeboy, Travis, he lived out there with his homeboy, Travis. We stayed close. He would come over. We'd play, we'd play the games, you know, watch games, uh, mm-hmm. chill and eat. So uh, Rashard Lewis was like a little brother to me. I'm so proud of everything that he's accomplished in life. Moving on from the roster, painting the big picture of the league, this is, yeah. at the end of the year, this is the Lakers' first championship, but at, at this point in the regular season, they hadn't won it yet. Coming off the Spurs' championship in the lockout 99, but the West was crazy. Five teams with 50 or more wins. I mean, you're talking about the T-Wolves with 50 with KG. You got the Suns with Penny and Jay Kidd. Spurs with Duncan and Robinson. Blazers, Sheed, Pippen, Jazz, you know who's there. Lakers, you know who's there. Um, Going into the season in like the early days, did it like, did it become clear quickly that the Lakers like had arrived or did that really not become evident until what they Mm -mm. did in the playoffs? Mm -mm. You got to usually look at, look at the play, the the teams and the think of the teams and the people on those teams and the playoff experience of the people in the, on, on those teams. Facts. You know, you know, from where the couple of trades, you're talking about Penny's been in Orlando already. Now he's with Jake, a gritty Jake kid. You know what I mean? This is the West. And the West, that was, woo. Now that I think about it, bro, like that was, you had to be on your shit every night, especially from my position. You just named She, Duncan, Carl, Shaq, um, Shaq, McDice, McDice, bro, Weber, the four, and the five. Yeah, you crazy. had to like. There was no like. You had to come with it. You know, to, uh, uh, just to even slow those guys down. And they were getting touches. So in my in my position, like it's they hard had to. to even every every possession, it had to touch the it had to touch the post. It had to touch and they had to do something before you yeah. know the your offense even started. So like just to defend, it's like having the pressure that the guards do now with Steph and some of the responsibilities that they are. Utah, you got John Stockton coming in with the dirty back screen to, to send big ass Carl Malone over to the other block, especially at home. They're letting him cheat. He, he Stockton going to get up into your lower back on some bullshit, bring you over to the cross screen, only so big refrigerator with post moves, uh, shoulder, Carl Malone, conceal your ass under the basket while the coaches are talking about fight over the screen from John Stockton. That's like, yo, bro, you know, these are the things why you get disrupted. But, yeah, there was never a night off. All the guards cared. John Stockton, they were more physical. There were the arm bar was still mm-hmm. alive. You know what I mean? You had to like really go into your shit to make a move. There was no like face up and do the, that was the first, Carl Malone was the first person to do the face up and get through. your hands off thing. Yeah, the rip through, yeah. get you two free throws, get two, three of those a game. You have to worry about stuff like that. You got Tim Duncan slapping balls off your face, off the glass, and then coming through and doing the goofy stiff Tim Dunk across your face because he still had a little bounce back then. Mm-hmm. You got McDice turning over that shoulder in Denver when your lips are powder white donuts running up and down the altitude, and he's he's not doing nothing. He's still running with the big calf and the, the whole McDice thing, dunking and getting over the, uh, the right or I think it was, but was it the right shoulder? Yeah. I tried to break my back. I swear I timed it one time. He doesn't even look at you either. He just turns and does it and runs back down the court. Uh, it was just a lot of talent. You got young Jermaine O'Neal's in, 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 in Portland. With Sheed. Zebos with Zebos. Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah. Three, so, yeah. The, yeah, the four and the five was thick. Uh, was thick. You know, Vlade, it was Vlade, yep. I think, is sacked by yeah. then. And they're Sabo- doing the uh, thing. Sabonis. Sabonis. Who gave you who gave you your welcome to the NBA moment? Sabonis. Sabonis, bro. I remember the whole bench fell out laughing. I laughed. Sabonis laughed. The whole shit was hilarious. So I'm hyper. I'm hyper. I get a post up. Uh, 
Sabonis is playing defense against me. I'm getting a post up. I slap it all hard and shit. You know the deal. You got to slap it off. <clears throat> Looking over my shoulder, I'm about to give him a little boom. I'm about to cook. I'm about to cook, Beatty. Going to a move. I think I'll go quick. Bop. I'm going to the middle. Then I just stop. And I'm like, uh, okay. And I'm still dribbling. But Arvidas is like, just slid one time. And I'm Flintstone running, like still thinking I'm, <laughs> I'm backing him down. He's like laughing, like I turn and look at the bench while I'm dribbling, I'm like yo, like you know, it's like what the coaches are. Bob Weiss is uh, on the on the bench cracking up. I think whoever was on the bench, we were just laughing. Our Vetus laugh, and I think they called a foul or something on him too. That was like my welcome to the NBA moment, where I was like, okay, they're like for real big dudes. This ain't college, like this, like for real big dudes. Like you can't even dominate with your speed against some of these dudes you seen that picture of of cat trying to post up boogie yeah it's like that i'm gonna put your yeah. face and our to face on that and we'll get that out yeah. that's it. Yeah. <laughs> get that because that's that, that's the first thing i thought of that's a big uh, ass dude is, what was he pushing like three 350 do remember and he could move and he just didn't do it for a long time he had dimes man he was one of the best uh they say if had it not been for mm-hmm. him, uh, one of his injuries, he would have been with the, probably the best big man of all time. Well, I was going to ask, like, and they even said, well, we was back in, in the Soviet Union, you know, in the 90s. Nobody, no, yeah. ca- no cameras allowed there. But the tales are that, you know, a young Arvidas Sabonis was, was you know, the, was nobody better. Having his way. As they having say. his way. Having his way. Yeah. Yeah. As we near the end of the first round in the NBA playoffs, DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA, is back with a can't-miss offer. This week, new customers can bet just $5 on any team to win and get $150 in free bets instantly. No matter the outcome, you win. That is not the only amazing offer that DraftKings Sportsbook has. All DraftKings Sportsbook customers can also bet on NBA with same-game parlays. You know the drill. Combine multiple bets from the same game for a bigger payout. The more legs you add, the more money you can win. If your same game parlay does not hit, DraftKings still has you covered. You'll get a risk-free bet up to $10 if it does not hit. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code FORGOTTENSEASONS. Bet just $5 on any NBA team to win their game during the first round of the playoffs and get $150 in free bets instantly. That's promo code FORGOTTENSEASONS at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. So regular season closes out. You guys go 45 and 37. You guys cop the seventh seed in the West and you in those boys in Utah. Still great. I I, I want to see how old Zachary Malone's 36. Stockton is 37. So they're old, yep. but two seed, you know, 55 plus wins. Um, you're playing in Utah, which yeah. I, I, I'd like to hear if you have any stories there. But I guess just uh, talk through that that series with Utah. They go up 2-0. You get two at home. And then they win. So, I mean, they say the, the series doesn't begin until the the road team or the home team loses, but that just never happened. So what do you remember from that right. Utah series? It was fun. Like, every possession was stressful, bro. Stressful. You know what I mean? And then, like, the, it being in and out of the lineup, you know what I mean, coming in in certain mm-hmm. situations, you know what I mean? Uh, it was just different. It was just a stressful series. I mean, first of all, that, if I'm not mistaken, is Mad Max on that team? But he didn't play the playoffs? Mad Max, I want to say, was on your team. Yeah, that's what yeah, I mean. Yeah, 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 yeah. And he has... Ruben so that, Patterson? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, so Mad yeah. Max is on your team, but no, he did not play in the playoffs. He did not play in the playoffs because a, a lot of what the incident happened... Well, I'm going to say that for part two. I'm going I'm to save that story okay. for Dylan. Dylan that, that, but I'm not going to share that one. I'm going to hoard that one. Um, but uh, first of all, we blew the hotel down in Utah. 
Hey, we blew the hotel down. The Hotel Monaco, I think it was, it had just opened. It was like, it was real nice. They had to put a fan. I think the Warriors, some of, I heard the Warriors players talk about uh, how they've had to put a fan on the on the floor. And like, I remember that happened at the Hotel Monaco. Like we was burning it down, you know what I mean? Uh, but uh, the fans in Utah are trifling. You know, uh, they can be, and this is back in the 90s, so they were real. No cell phones. No. Yeah, they were real pieces of ish, but knowledgeable about the game and matchups. And like when things are going on between the, the positions, like Utah fans, no, they're like knowledgeable fans. They're, you know, they're a, they're a-holes, but they're like knowledgeable. They like know when the little inner stories are, they're seeing what's going on between different positions and like they how They teach them the thing. fundamentals. You know? yeah, 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 yeah. And, uh, and, uh, and um, the offense is a pain in the ass to guard because it was predicated on, if not the pick and roll, and those are the pick and roll savants. Yep possibly of all time mm-hmm. because he could hit the Jimmy or he put it on the day or he slipping and doing the Carmelo dunk. It's 10,000 so, 10, buckets out of that pick and roll. You, you see what I'm saying? And yeah. he getting a heavy dose of it. Not to mention Carl's running, doing the out of bounds, running wide and getting the Carmelo dunk when he runs out of bounds. And, you know, the, like they teach you in practice, he run out of bounds and then come back. He's, you know, he's doing, doing that every time. He's do, actually doing that every time. Mm-hmm. And correct me if I'm wrong. Is this the time he drops that that fifty ball? Doesn't he have a fifty point game in one of that series? Yes, game one. Bro, he took he he probably took ten dribbles the whole time. Just just picking pops, picking rolls, short corners, the catch, yeah. the face up, knock down, run back. A lot of those layups we just talked about. And he's 36, he's, he's 36 years old. Continuing to deliver, Dylan. He's just mailmanning, continuing to do the things we all know him he's accustomed to. They're not really showing any signs of age because they run in a month. They don't run. They, you know, they take their pick and choose when they want to play. They're not going up and down with you with us because we want to go up and down. But they're definitely about to make you play half-court basketball and then strategically run out on you with B-Rust. Oster tag was nasty and in the way and just doing all type of crazy stuff. So you, it was a cerebral game. And the matchup between GP and John Stockton Dope. was primetime television. If you're a basketball purist, the chess match between and the, the juxtapose of styles between Gary Payton, actually, they're one and the same. GP will step on your foot or do something to you to make a play, or that's what a defensive player does. They you they play. If you, the referee doesn't see it, they're gonna do that. And John Stockton was nasty. Yeah, he will elbow you. He'll strip you. Like he was on some what real is, BS. What does GP say about you know Stockton when you head into the locker room? Like, is it all respect or is he you know? Yes. Is, is there? It's all respect. Yes. No, no animosity. It's not a lot of. It's not a lot of. He has to be dialed in. Mm-hmm. He did a little bit of chirping, you know what I mean? Because that's how he communicates. But, but you, you can't really, talk, you can't talk to John Stockton. You gotta be, he's not talking. Yeah. He's just gonna be, he, you know, he's not talking to G, so G can't get up. You know, he get played better, like, you know, KG. A lot of us play better when somebody's chirping a yeah. little bit. John's not giving you that energy, but he's like a bully and he's doing like little weird shit and he's hitting threes and being efficient and getting other people involved. So that was like a crazy chess match to watch. Definitely for purists. If you love basketball, you should get like matchup footage of like John Stockton and Gary Payton. We'll get that footage someday. As soon as, yeah. as, soon as we get it, I'm I'm, yeah. I'm putting that up. I We're think I'm, I think I've done it before. It's back. I yeah. it's back there. It's it's in the archives. I'll yeah. I'll pull it out. Um, for sure. So you guys losing five. First off, what do you think of the five game playoff series first round? Do you like that, or you, you think they should go back to it, or not? Nah, nah, nah. nah more basketball. Just more, more basketball. basketball. Let's just get more basketball. Players like that. it, fans like it. Probably the owners do. It's probably mm-hmm. bringing an extra bit more of a scratch. So I'm all for more basketball. But like I said, in those five game series, the shit was stressful. That's why every possession, which is which is what I like, ball, which you is have, good. You have the seven over twos, the eight over ones, which is you know once in a blue moon these days, but happened more frequently back then. It did. It did. It did. So heading out of that. Um, 
we talked about before, I mean, this is kind of the last chapter of the Sonics as we know it. They have a yeah. few a few bright spots with Ray Allen and Richard. Um, yeah. But I mean, just just speak a little bit on the the basketball culture in Seattle and what Love what it. what went wrong if you do know in the 2000s that that just led to the possibility of somebody coming in and taking them from Seattle because I think basketball fans know but I mean Seattle we're talking about you know it's New York LA Chicago yeah. Seattle you know it's yeah. not it's not like Seattle's Minneapolis no. or Sacramento. Sacramento. No, or, Seattle yeah. is 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 there. The so, Emerald City is like a real life thing. It is. And you we see all the players yeah. today that come out of there, but what what went wrong in your eyes, if anything? We should have kept that team, man. We had some like before it got to Ray and everybody, like the Des the whole Desmond Mason, mm -hmm. uh Rashard Lewis, they should have kept me. Yep. You know what I mean? There's some shit that happened in the offseason between me and Nate McMillan, like some other weirdo situation that probably shouldn't have happened that I couldn't control at the time. But, but right, Nate was taking over the job. And, you know, this is one like his first year, his first, first yeah. four years. He's as young, head coach. Fresh, fresh out of the league. Yeah, much. And he was yeah. one of the guys who like vouched for me to start and playing. You know, he's working out with me at the time. So then he becomes the head coach. And then I start starting. And then, like, then in the offseason, we have a whole ordeal, which, again, I'll say for part two, along with the other with the other situations when we revisit Sonics. But this, the Sonics are really in the streets. That's one thing about the Sonic players. Like, back then, like, if you went to a, where they, a billiards place, a pool place, or where they were shooting darts, like, you're probably going to see one of the Sonics. Mm-hmm. You know, we were like heavy into the community, you know what I mean? Going to the high schools, having clinics, a lot like a lot of these kids, you know, when there's a professional team there, the pro-am, you know, a lot a lot of that stuff in Seattle, why the Seattle talent came because like the Sonic players were like really in the streets. The young players could come to the facility to play, you know what I mean, with us in the off season. Like I said, Tower Records, like you Sonic players traditionally, Sean Kemp would be, that's why they're so beloved because you can touch Sonic players without it being weird. This is before fans were like fans and like it could mm -hmm. be weird and you know if you're out, but this is before like you could really, you really find yourself chopping it up with a fan in Seattle on some cool shit. Like, that's you dope. know, I stay, I, I used to walk to the arena cause I stayed close. So I used to walk and pass people on the way to the arena sometimes when I walk there, you know, talking to fans or whatever. So. That's one thing I'll say about the Sonics. And I felt like Shimon Williams was another dope player that was there. That would have been a, a great lifetime legacy Sonic player. They wanted to. And these players understood the tradition of the Sonics. And I think with some of the moves that they made, it got away from the, the traditional Sonic culture. You know, a lot of free agents that came from other teams that had other experiences were all obviously also veterans came over. And we're not talking with Patrick Ewing's. Yeah, from, he from comes Hoyt's the next year. Yeah. yeah, we're talking about legacy players, you know what I mean, coming in, not some of the youthful. I feel like if it would have kept the way of adding like the Desmond Masons, me, I would have been a little, you know, I had a whole plan in the offseason, me and Rashard about we all wanted to just get better and hang out. So yeah. um Wally had to do what he had to do, man. You know, I can't pretend to be know what's going on in a GM's mind. You know, veterans gripe and say who they want there. You know what I mean? They obviously got to uh, uh, make sure GP straight. Uh, and even like, like he ended up having to move away. So I just think the whole thing, it was a rebrand, Dylan. It was. I mean, it, it was. They changed the Across logo the and board. the jerseys. Yeah. Across the board. I believe Howard Schultz come in from Starbucks. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. at, at, at the time. It, it went corporate. It, it, it was a rebrand that went corporate, you know what I mean? Shout out to Howard Schultz, though, and, and, and his son, you know what I mean? Uh, the does great stuff in media with sports. That's my dog. I'm blanking on his first name for whatever because we got so many things going on. Yeah. I remember meeting him with his dad when he was young, when they came and introduced him as the owner of, of the new owner of the Sonics. Mm -hmm. But it was a complete rebrand from the GP era of the East Oakland, Sean Kemp, Vin Baker stories, the, 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 you know, the veterans that didn't work out, you know what I mean? I just think it was a complete rebrand. The logo went away. 
the have the shirt came. Yeah. Out of all teams, though, like that's not a team that needs the rebrand. Like that's like the Lakers, the Knicks. Like you just keep that. It's perfectly fine. You know what I mean? Like it is perfectly identifiable. That goes away. Some people change in the front office. Billy, shout out Billy McKinley. I don't know if he left. You know, he was one of the guys that's responsible for drafting me. Things change in the front office. Ownership change. They want new people. You end up with the rebranded sign. Is that, I mean, when you look back is you, you did have a, a number of stops along the way in your career, but is Seattle, you know, where your basketball heart and yeah, soul duh. remains for real? I'm a, son, I'm, a, I'm a Sonic for real, for real. You know, I won a title with the Lakers. I grew up a Laker fan. Uh, I love Toronto because Lenny Wilkins, my dog, gave me another opportunity to start. Didn't believe for any preconceived notions of what he had in me. Uh, for whatever reason, I had a good time. My short stint in Denver, George Carl, for whatever reason, was cool with me. He used to say weird stuff to me, but at the end of the day, he let me rock. Got a chance to play with AI, who we're here with uh, mm-hmm. for now, who I was with, been around since uh, Nike All America camp in '93. So uh, it was it, uh, th- that would say, but I'm a I'm a Sonic bro. I wish I could stay the Sonic my entire career. I would have said I would have been the UD of the of the Seattle. So I would, it took less money to make it work out. You, know you can man? still be there. You, you'd still, yeah, you'd still I be there. Still, I, I would have still, still just been there holding it down, ML car and waving the towel, you know what I mean? Making yeah. sure everybody's straight. Give me the front office role afterwards, whatever happens. But yeah, for sure. As much as I like to, would like to have because some weird shit happened, I'm for sure a Sonic. I love that community and basketball culture uh, immensely. You want to go back? You know, we hear, we hear, we hear, we hear stuff, you know, Maybe grumbling later, grumblings. Yeah, I would love three, to go five back. years. Yeah, I would love to go back. I would love to go back. I'd love to help. You know what I mean? I, I like I said, I consider myself a, a Sonic. I know people, uh, a lot of people from Seattle, like you don't, because I don't know, I didn't average 15, 20 points, yada, yada, yada. But if you was there in Seattle and, and Key Arena when I played, like I had some very intimate moments with fans and some key times, whether that be a dunk, a block. You know what I mean? A steal, a deflection, just being that sonic guy. If you consider the the sonic power fours, Derek McKee, Xavier McDaniel, Chambers, the people who came down there through the years, they did a couple things. You didn't have to score 20 points to be dope as a sonic. That's what the sonic culture was. And that was the college vibe that you got from being a sonic. Like if you average three and you play 10, 12 minutes, 15 minutes, like they got it. Yeah, like, you know what I mean. Yeah, bro, you got your t- my T-shirt was in the store. Mm-hmm. Okay, not not that I I didn't ha- like again I didn't average fifteen or twenty minutes, but my T-shirt was in the store. You know that thirty four McCoy. I do have several of those at home. I, I gotta get one. I, I gotta yeah, get I, one. People send me it. pictures. Like do they do exist? You know what I mean. So I was on a couple of merch. I'm on. Somebody sent me a clip of some key bank commercials that I did and some other shit. I was on the radio station, like I was heavily involved and I was out in the clubs and shit. I was young, you can see me in the club, I'm on the radio station. I had a car deal with Mitsubishi and I'm gonna have like a SUV and a, uh, and a regular Mitsubishi. So like that, and like, again, I don't have a max contract done and I'm not, you know, I'm making a million, a million five or a million, say whatever it is. But again, okay. I'm not averaging 20. Just a light, just a light mill, just a light mill. You know what I mean? It was just, you know, I was on my say, uh, just a second year deal, you know, it was important because I was off a second year prorated during the lockout. So I was able to make, you know, sometimes it's cool going in the second round because the, at that time, because the next year you can renegotiate as an unrestricted free agent. In your, in, your, the, in your two or your yeah, three? Year two. So you signed a one-year deal, this uh, one-year guaranteed deal. And then after that, at the time, you know, at that situation, you're kind of a restricted free agent. So you can, like, technically, they could, I could have signed for, which is another story, uh, Man, a, a larger. You're, you're, teasing, you're teasing that part, too. Uh, yeah, yeah, I like yeah, 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 which is another story. A guy that replaced me. You know, the very next year, where I, you know, that I didn't feel like I still can't really see this great guy. I just can't look at him to this day because I'm like, you literally have my contract and that could have changed my life, my family's life, my career. You know, once they give you big money, they're more susceptible to giving it to you again. It's hard to negotiate when you're coming from a million and you're asking for six or five or seven or whatever the going rate is for what your your snack yeah. you know they're like well in the half if we met you in the middle that's like doubling what you made last year it's like ah. 
but it's still a hell of a lot of money. You're still mm-hmm. doing the, you know, the job of your dreams. But when you're talking business, which it is, those are just some of the things you start figuring out as you start going on. It does get a lot of attention, the the void, but I think it's a good thing. And I think it, it should be yeah. getting brought to attention because they're talking about some of these other cities. And I also think that just, you know, expansion would be a lot of fun to observe. If you know yeah. how that works, you know, the teams are going to have to make some tough decisions. We're going to have yeah. some great players that get that chip on their shoulder because they don't get yeah. protected. So I think it yeah. would be great for the league. I don't know how the the money and the business works. I know there's a whole shit that they have to deal out with that. But yeah. I mean, without question, I don't think anybody debates that when that happens, stop number one has to be Seattle. Come on, man. The other cities can take the, the next conversation. But, um, yeah. You know, this was dope. I think uh, obviously we remember those 90s years, the, the GP Kemp teams, but uh, I think it's yeah. important to to relive the whole history and, and figure out how did we get from GP and Kemp in 96 to, yeah. to the OKC Thunder in 2008. Um, so rebrand, if you understand rebrands in business that, you know, this is the first rebranding of NBA teams and getting away from the iconic players with attitude, the Allen Iversons, the Gary Paytons, and mm-hmm. just going and ushering it into the Bray Allens, yeah. the clean cut, you know what I mean? The clean cut, you know what I mean? Less charismatic, more on the clean cut, dependable, not going to cause any stir guys. You know, these are the when we're acting a fool in the Olympics, you know, the nut the nut grabbing in the Olympics. And when we did that whole thing, you know, the weird dream team. So this is when, like, you know, they gave some real ones some ba- a bag and they was acting, you know, they was having their way for a minute, you know, against the front office, the GM, they didn't really care. There was some real East Side brothers out there with some with, with a bag, and you know, that's what happened. No cell phones, too. I mean, that thank God <laughs> there were no cell phones in '90s basketball, bro. You might not have had a league. No, for real. But you might not here, have had a league. Here, here we are today. That everything is on cell phones. Everything is on cell phones. And they're getting caught and they can still keep their job, Dylan, but whatever. Well, it's impo- I mean, like, you know, what do you, what do you want them to do? They got to live a life. Yeah. You got to make yeah. some, you got to make some bad decisions. But That uh, wasn't, they wasn't with that back then. You just nah. supposed to play basketball. There's no business talk back then. Like I got, I got flack uh, in Seattle for like reading the Wall Street a Journal with Brent Berry. Like I remember the coaches tapping each other. Like, look at this dude. Like, you couldn't think, you can be an artist. I remember Desmond wants to be an artist and he had to like hide now. it. Now, yeah. he, but he was like hiding it. Like I would go yeah. to Des' house. He was like, what do you think it is? I'm like, yo, you should be doing art shows now. Like you ill, but like you couldn't do that back then. Is like, that from like, a rapper. is that from the leftover like 80s? Like, cause I feel like the dudes in the 80s and the early 90s, it was like, you know, you couldn't be dapping up players on the other team and that shit. It yep. was like, you know, you have to, you have to be, there was some residue face. for that. There was some residue from that for sure. You know what I mean? But this is when, you know, the fun police, Nike and shoe deals were in the mix. You know what I mean? This is when it was starting to, it was starting to bubble up. The money was coming up. The off the court deals were coming up, you know, and owners are owners. Not every owner is progressive and yeah. you know, has the same understanding as, you know, there's Dr. Bus and then there's, the Miller owner in Utah at, mm-hmm. at this time, you know, it's all, it's kind of, it's not the same progressive league as what we know now. You know what I mean? If you follow the NBA and you follow fan bases, you know what I mean? You, you know, the backstories that I'm talking about, the former players have told you who played in their environment, some of the stories that are coming out now, what they heard from fans or heard from owners during the negotiations. So nineties basketball was a trip. We can do a whole uh, series or, or a movie or feature on like nineties basketball, uh, uh, could be uh, scripted or non-scripted. We got to dig up. We got to, we got to, there's, there's videos out there. I know there is. Yeah. And artifacts. Yeah. We got to dig them up because there's some, there's some treasures and maybe. Because that's what you do, Dylan. Because that's 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 why they brought me here. That's why they, that's why they got me in here. That's why they got me in like Paul Pierce. That's why they brought me here. Yeah. All right, bro. I appreciate you. This was dope. We'll have to do part two again. Um, no doubt. and I appreciate him. my brother that was forgotten seasons on the 2000 Sonics with Jelani McCoy make sure to drop a rating and a review if you liked what you just heard we will be back next week with a fresh episode 
Until then, peace. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.